You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. At the beginning of 2023, Sharon Barrio and Stacy Marie Ishmael from Bloomberg News said that the hackers behind the Lazarus Group managed to steal approximately $1.7 billion in 2022, up from $400 million in the previous year, mostly from crypto companies like Ronin and Harmony Horizon, just to name two. And it occurred to me that if there was ever a black and white case for using the MITRE ATT&CK wiki to inform the controls of your internally deployed security stack, this was it. In other words, the intrusion kill chain prevention strategy that I've been yammering on about in this podcast for over two years now is such an obvious choice here. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Deploy prevention and detection controls across the intrusion kill chain designed to defeat as many of the known tactics, techniques, and procedures that the InfoSec community has associated with the Lazarus Group campaigns. We've been tracking this campaign for a long time, and the community knows a metric ton about it. I'm an advisor to a company called Tidal Cyber. They're trying to operationalize the MITRE ATT&CK wiki. They list 116 techniques and 25 different pieces of software associated with the Lazarus Group campaign. The open-source MITRE ATT&CK wiki lists 227 techniques associated with the group. I mean, I don't know who the Ronin CISO is or even if the company has one. The company's webpage doesn't even list the leadership team. But if I was the Ronin CISO, I would spend a lot of time designing prevention and detection controls for these known TTPs. I'm just saying. The InfoSec community's consensus attribution for the Lazarus Group campaigns is that the hackers are sponsored by North Korea. They do some traditional cyber espionage operations, typical of other nation states like the U.S., Russia, Iran, Israel, and China. But what they are infamous for is running cybercrime operations to provide a revenue stream for the North Korean government. With all the sanctions the West has placed against North Korea, you can make the case that the efforts by the Lazarus Group hackers might be one of the largest revenue sources coming into the country. To recap then, we have a group of hackers who target a niche part of the business community, the crypto communities, and we have MITRE, TIDAL, and others with an exhaustive list of every TTP the hacker group has deployed from the past. If you're a security leader in a crypto company, isn't it a no-brainer that you buy down risk considerably if you robustly deploy the intrusion kill chain strategy, at least for this Lazarus Group campaign? I think so. But I'm willing to bet that most of the just under 1,000 crypto companies that exist in the world today don't do that. 
because most of the rest of us don't either. I get to talk to a lot of CISOs in this job, and it's anecdotal for sure, but I have yet to run into more than one or two who have even halfway deployed this strategy. Even with the hash table experts who regularly come on this show to explain things, when I asked them about their intrusion kill chain prevention strategy deployments, I got crickets. And there's lots of reasons for this, but probably the two most significant are it's hard to do and it can be really expensive. So hold on to your butts. Hold on to your butts. For this Rick the Tollman episode, I went looking for ways to make deploying the intrusion kill chain prevention strategy easier. My name is Rick Howard, and I'm broadcasting from N2K Cyber's secret Sanctum Sanctorum Studios located underwater somewhere along the Patapsco River near Baltimore Harbor, Maryland, in the good old U.S. of A. And you're listening to CSO Perspectives, my podcast about the ideas, strategies, and technologies that senior security executives wrestle with on a daily basis. In January of 2023, the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, published a white paper called Best Practices for MITRE Attack Mapping. And that's what I'm going to focus on today. How do intelligence analysts map observations from their own internal collected telemetry and from externally produced intelligence reports to the TTPs that we know in the MITRE Attack Framework? For those that don't know, MITRE released their first version of the Attack Framework in 2013, three years after the original Lockheed Martin intrusion kill chain paper. Really? More history, Rick? The MITRE ATT&CK acronym stands for Adversarial Tactics, Techniques, and Common Knowledge. At first glance, the casual reader would assume that the framework is a slight improvement on the original Lockheed Martin model. The framework extends the original phases and corrects some of the limitations. It eliminates the recon phase and expands the actions on the objective phase with more clarity and detail. That's all true, but the framework's significant innovation is an extension to the list of information requirements intelligence analysts collect for adversary playbooks. They added tactics, techniques, and procedures, TTPs. Before the framework, we would all collect indicators of compromise, like bad IP addresses or URLs, without connecting them to known adversary behavior. They would just be lists of bad things. The lists are not useless per se, but they are ephemeral and hackers can easily change them at the drop of a hat. By the time InfoSec teams deployed countermeasures, the bad guys had likely already changed their behavior. According to the 2023 CISA paper, MITRE's extension of the kill chain model defines TTPs this way. Tactics, the what and why of a technique. Techniques and sub-techniques, the how an adversary achieves a tactical goal by performing an action. And finally, procedures, particular instances on how a technique or sub-technique has been used. That intelligence isn't as ephemeral, is tied to known adversary group behavior, and is conducive to designing impactful countermeasures. Where the Lockheed Martin kill chain model is conceptual, the MITRE attack framework is operational. Network defenders can use the provided TTPs to design detection and prevention controls for their internal security stack for real-world cyber campaigns that InfoSec practitioners have observed in the wild. 
But as I said at the top of the show, most of us aren't doing that. I asked my good friend Steve Winterfeld, the Akamai Field CSO, why he thought that was so. He said that it wasn't until recently when he and I were working on the Cybersecurity First Principles book that he realized that the MITRE ATT&CK framework was much more than just a reference source like Wikipedia. It should be used as an operational construct, but it's so vast, it's hard to know where to start. Here's Steve. Originally, I just put it in a box over here as a reference, not an operational tool. And I think that was a huge handicap, and I personally have changed that, and I use it operationally now. So if you have a team with, with you know, a Tier 2 SOC or a threat intelligence team or a red team, then this can be a tool that you actually use. First of all, the scope is huge. You have 14 phases, over 200 techniques, and, and how do you go through and measure all that? You know, first of all, I would sit down and say, okay, what's the subset? Of these 200 plus, which ones apply to the, what the SOC would own? Maybe that's 71. Okay, 71 is a little bit better number to deal with. And then you say, okay, so, you know, I'm going to train my SOC tier one analysts. They should know these 71 techniques. They should know how to investigate and what tools, what processes we use to find those different techniques. And then the tier two should be able to, to say, okay, if I see this set of techniques, that indicates a specific threat actor. Same with threat intelligence. Which one of our capabilities are best designed to, to of these, you know, 14 phases, do I have security controls in each phase that are likely to catch them? It's kind of that cyber kill chain. I have 14 opportunities to interdict and disrupt their attack mechanism. Uh, I could go to the red team and I could say, hey, listen, red team, I want you to go take this attack group and use, you know, ATP, pick a number, um, and use their attack methodology to attack us. And this is nice because then I can do more of a purple team exercise. Did our security controls detect that? Did those controls alert into the SOC? Did the SOC notice them and react to them and, and launch proper mitigation techniques? Uh, and so all this, I think, is an integrated opportunity to just take this and use it in a very useful way. But yeah, a tremendous resource and something I think can and should be operationalized on a, on a more normal basis. James Stanley from the uh, product development team inside of JCDC and CISA. So I've been within CISA for about five years now, and I've been leading the product development team for about three years. JCDC stands for the Joint Cyber Defense Collaborative, and CISA stands for the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. James is one of the CISA people who produced the January report on best practices for MITRE attack mapping the intelligence analyst process to accurately and consistently map adversary behaviors to the relevant attack techniques for reporting purposes or to develop updates to the deployed security stack. In 2023, we have no shortage of cyber threat intelligence reports from security vendors seeking to make a name for themselves, 
from government agencies like the FBI and CISA trying to share actionable intelligence to the InfoSec community, and from internal intelligence teams trying to make sense of collected telemetry. Mapping MITRE ATT&CK is one of the first steps in all of those tasks. Here's James. The January report is essentially, it's an update to the um, best practices on how to map to the MITRE ATT&CK matrix. Um, so we, we originally released it it was December of 2020, so it's been a little over two years now. Um, and the inspiration for that initial release was just because um, us, as far as CISA was concerned, we we put a huge emphasis on on mapping to attack. We had just started to incorporate it into our cybersecurity advisories whenever we wrote them. Um, we were essentially huge fans, found uh, it to be very impactful. Um, and so... After the initial release, a few years had passed. Obviously, things had grown quite a bit. Um, so we circled back with John and team um, to discuss how there were potentially a lot of value add as far as new sections to include. Um, so we included a lot. We included emphasis on ICS and mapping to ICS specific. Um, we included some common mismapping mistakes. Um, so it, Analysts could understand, you know, when they're when they're trying to map to specifically sub techniques, which can get a lot trickier. Um, some of the common uh, missteps when it comes to that and how they can fix those, um, and just kind of adding out the content as far as how much more developed the attack matrix has become over the last couple of years. So, who's the target audience here? Is this uh, are these SOC analysts? Or are they CISOs? Who's it for? We are pointing towards SOC analysts, and you know. Threat intel folks, the ones kind of the working level people that are on the ground doing the work. Because um, as we produce products, we as CISA produce products to give to the general audience. Um, this this guide also helps you know internal organizations map the own their own adversary behavior that they're seeing on their network and and leverage it that way as well. Uh, James, so what's new in this report that wasn't in the previous one? We added an appendix that highlights ICS specific. Mapping um, and the importance of that, and kind of, kind of some of the missteps that are around that. Um, but just highlighting that this is no longer for enterprise networks; that this is now for ICS specific. This is for mobile. Um, so, kind of as the scope broadens, we wanted to alert readers to that, um, and then we really wanted to highlight for analysts using it that there are a lot of common ways that this matrix is misused or mismapped in the reporting. And so um, kind of highlighting that concern and how you can fix that. James, you mentioned that people make mistakes mapping. Uh, what are typical mistakes that people are have been making up to this point? Missed opportunities is a big one. I think people will stick to just the, the surface techniques. So they won't actually dig down into the weeds and get into the sub-techniques. Um, and those sub-techniques are much more specific to the actual behavior, especially once they're on the network and they're digging around. Um, so I think missed opportunities is a key highlight um, just for analysts that just because you identified a technique, you're not just supposed to move on and move along you know, the attack lifecycle, but stick to that area and find out what specifically that, that adversary did, that behavior that they had, so you can really drill down and, and protect better against it. All right, I'm John Wonder. I'm the Senior Manager for Cyber Threat Intelligence and Adversary Emulation at MITRE. And I lead this work for CISA with the Homeland Security Systems Engineering and Design Institute, a DHS FFRDC operated by MITRE. I've been at MITRE about 12, 13 years and uh, working the CISA project for five or six years.
If you enjoyed this preview of CSO Perspectives, be sure to subscribe to CyberWire Pro and get access to the rest of this episode, as well as all past seasons of CSO Perspectives ad-free. And you all know I love getting rid of the ads. Visit thecyberwire.com slash CSO Pro. That's thecyberwire.com slash CSO PRO to explore the many benefits of CyberWire Pro and to subscribe. And now, a message from CyberBit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then, you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need CyberBit. CyberBit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills, all using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. CyberBit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. <laughs>